Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 156 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today, uh, with my family, we went out to the City of Rocks. It's about a two and a half hour drive from where I live to the City of Rocks. It's located in southwest Idaho. And if you've never been there, you should go. It's kind of like that rock climbing mecca that it's not as pop- popular as Yosemite, but it's still really popular because we had climbers from Colorado, Quebec, California, Georgia, Florida. They were all there in their high dollar expensive vans that they all want to live in down on the river. We're talking those Winnebago and Mercedes vans that are 100,000 plus. Uh, and all these guys are climbers and they spend time in their van and then they go out when the storms subside and then they go out and they climb these amazing different climbs and then they go back. So we spent the day out there and my kids got to climb around and do a bit of bouldering. I'm not much of a rock climber, but they uh, got to do a bit of bouldering and exploring and it was just fun. But I reminded of a conversation as we were driving out there. We were at Utah State and the Utah Division of Wildlife had put together a get together where they brought in people from wildlife, law enforcement, habitat, and fisheries to talk to us about the different possible jobs that we could get working with the state of Utah and just to give us a general expectations of what we should expect if we do apply and and we do get a job. And all of us were there for wildlife. There were some fisheries guys there, but we were thoroughly interested when the wildlife guys talked We were thoroughly interested when law enforcement talked, and we were thoroughly interested when fisheries talked. And then the Habitat guy got up and he asked how many of us wanted to work with Habitat, and not a single person raised their hands because none of us wanted to work in Habitat. The only thing we knew about Habitat was that you fix fences, a lot of fence fixing. And if we wanted to do that, we might as well have our own cows. Not one of us wanted to work in Habitat. And so he asked uh, one kid, uh, he happened to be sitting in front. I never sat in front. I like to sit in back. But uh, he asked this kid sitting up front, uh, are you going to work, you want to work in Habitat? And the guy goes, no, because that just sounds boring. And he said, if you can understand Habitat of the animals that you are studying, then you will fully understand every aspect of their life. Because the habitat that they live in speaks volumes about themselves. And as I got more educated in wildlife, why am I taking this class on plants? Why am I taking this class on soils? Why am I, you know, I I finally, by the end, I'm a slow learner, but started to realize how important habitat was or is in wildlife management and just in general. Because wildlife, or habitat, if you can understand the habitat that cows need, then you can become a phenomenal rancher. If you can understand the habitat and ways to improve the habitat that deer or elk or any other animal needs, then you will be a phenomenal wildlife manager. That's if you can get the projects done that you need. So in thinking about 
the habitat that I grew up in, it's largely considered the Intermountain West ecoregion. And that is largely or primarily in Utah, Idaho, and Nevada. There's a few different maps that uh, I will put up, but uh, they were one of the ones that I often refer to was put out by the Mule Deer Working Group. And it just talks about the different regions that you're going to find mule deer. And so I grew up in what I would consider the Intermountain West eco-region. The one thing that's interesting that I saw just, I even stopped or slowed down in the middle of the road. I mean, you're Southwest Idaho. There's not a whole lot of people, you know, maybe a tractor or two. And then a tourist in a, in a $200,000 van. But you're not going to run into a whole lot of people. So while I was driving, I stopped because... Just on this hillside, like the entire hillside was just so interesting because you could tell that each piece was owned by different landowners on how they managed woody encroachment. And what woody encroachment is, it's often pinion and junipers that are just spreading with all the fire suppression and the reduction in wildfires, pinion and junipers are allowed to continue to spread unchecked and they just take over and they become so thick that you can't even drive a, a motorcycle in certain areas because they're just so thick. And these areas that I would stop and look at to the annoyance of my kids and wife were largely they had been chained. And that's where they take two bulldozers and run a large chain between them and they just take off driving and this chain comes along and it just knocks over all these junipers and they come through and they will largely stick to whatever owner that is so they're gonna whether they're doing some project for the state project for blm or a private landowner and you could tell it was almost checkerboard it almost looked like a checker or a chessboard by the way uh, they had gone and done these removals. Now, not all of it was chaining. They had done some uh, lop and scatter where they had just come in with a chainsaw, knocked it over, and then scattered it. And then others, uh, that area, for some, whatever reason, seems to be prone to lightning strikes. And there had been quite a few fires out there, but largely they had been knocked down with... Uh, chain chaining method using bulldozers but the one reason that you see a lot is because it's sheep and cattle country where we were at and oftentimes the requirements that the sheep and cattle need are they going to be the same for mule deer and elk and those things and the more the later in the successional stages they get the less value it is for mule deer elk sheep and cattle. And so ranchers and those different groups like to keep it in that first and six, first and second successional stages because you're going to see a lot more grasses and forbs. But as that, uh, as that later successional stage starts to come, you start to get a lot of more shrub understory and all of a sudden you start losing a lot of those grasses and you start losing a lot of those forbs and it becomes in less value. Now, you don't want to remove it all because there still is some value. Because in the summertime, it gets really extremely hot. And so you, uh, in, in 
college, they taught us about the mosaic method where you don't want to remove it all, but you definitely don't want your entire area covered with these junipers. And so if you can leave a mosaic, some here, some there, think of when a fire comes through and it'll burn some areas, the wind shifts and it will move and so it won't burn and you're just going to have a patchwork and that's kind of what you want to do when you're chaining or doing these large removals. Oftentimes when they're chaining though, they're not going to leave necessarily that patchwork or mosaic. They're just going to come and wipe it all out. But in the summertime, if you still have a little bit, if you're going to have a, a little bit of these pinion and junipers in this area, they're going to offer some pretty good cover from that intense sun because there's really, it gets really warm. You're talking 100 degrees and in these barren areas, if there's no trees or whatnot, then they're going to have to find cover someplace else. And so you still want a little bit of cover. You just want that mosaic, that patchwork. And it was just so interesting being out there, seeing the different landowners and how they each manage their own issues, whether it was BLM, state, or private. It was it was very interesting to just go out and see that. Next time you guys are out and about, look for areas that uh, they're doing active management and see how each landowner and compare how each landowner is managing their properties. Some are just... Uh, for tax purposes, uh, I was interested in buying a piece of property and it was owned by a guy in New Jersey who had never visited the property and did not care. And right next to him was uh, an old timer who ran sheep and he was out on his piece every day. And you'll see that some landowners are heavily invested, others are not. And it just depends on the purposes and the things they're trying to accomplish. But next time you go out and about, look at that patchwork see how people are doing, see if you would do something different. Let me know. You guys have a great day. Stay wild. Get your family outside.